that you would use your word in us, that you would use your word to change us, that you would uh, use your power, uh, make your word real uh, and effective in our lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, would you read with me, please, from uh, Leviticus chapter 13, verses 45 through 46. Follow along in your pew Bibles or on your phones. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes and let the hair of his head hang loose. And he shall cover his upper lip and cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Unclean! Unclean! Can you imagine what it must have been like for a leper in the first century to have to yell, unclean! Unclean! Anytime someone drew near. To describe himself daily as unclean. Unclean. Leprosy back then was viewed to be so highly contagious that lepers had to live by themselves in isolation, away from their friends, away from their family, away from their religious community. Living in isolation, they had to give up their careers, their dreams, their aspirations. If you read all of Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, you might do that right before you go to bed, it'll put you right to sleep you'll see that what the Bible describes as leprosy is not confined to our modern definition of leprosy today. When we hear the word leprosy, usually we think of someone who has Hansen's disease, like the picture of this man that we've got here today. That's what we think of when we hear the word leprosy. Fortunately for us, the miracle of modern medicine, a cure for Hansen's disease has been discovered. So very few people are plagued with Hansen's disease today in industrial countries like the United States. But in ancient times, there was no cure for leprosy. There was little hope for a leper living in the first century. From the detailed description that we have of leprosy in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, we can see that the Hebrew word for leprosy was used to describe multiple, multiple types of skin diseases like boils and burns and ringworm and scalp conditions. It was even used to describe mold in houses. Jewish scribes counted as many as 72 different afflictions that were defined as leprosy in the Old Testament. Leprosy was generally regarded as a divine punishment. As you may recall in Numbers chapter 12, when Miriam and Aaron are gossiping about Moses, the the leader whom God had chosen to lead his people out of Egypt and out of slavery, when Aaron and Miriam were gossiping about Moses, God... uh, plagues Miriam with leprosy. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, the king of Judah, King Uzziah, in his pride willfully disregards the clear word of God and enters the temple to offer his own incense offering. God's law clearly stated that only the priest should offer an incense offering in the temple. But because of his pride, he felt like he didn't have to abide by God's law. And so in his willful disobedience of God's law, we are told that God strikes King Uzziah with leprosy, and he is forced to live alone as a leper the rest of his days. Let's look again at verse 46 of our Old Testament text, where it reads, he shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. 
Lepers were forced to live alone, cursed by God, rejected by men. Have you ever felt alone before? Like you had no friends, like no one really knew the pain or the suffering or the struggles that you were going through at that time? I remember in middle school, uh, I had to go through a social transition of my own. Uh, Athletically and academically, things hadn't changed for me. I was still playing football and basketball with the same group of guys I had uh, earlier in my small school in Midland. But some of my friends had begun to exclude me from some of their social activities. They were involved in some things they knew that I wouldn't participate in. And so I had to make some new friends. Initially, I remember feeling very alone, rejected. And on top of that, I had bad acne. So I felt like a leper, right? I mean, I felt unclean. Braces, acne, no friends, no girlfriends. I just, I felt like a teenage leper. Have you ever felt alone before? Like nobody knew what you were going through exactly. In 2003, I was called to serve as the college and singles minister at the First Presbyterian Church of Houston. As a single pastor, I got to know a lot of single mothers, single mothers who felt very alone. Despite the covenant vows they had made before God and their friends and their family, in the very sanctuary of First Pres Houston, their spouse had left them, seeking the affection of another. Now these women were left to raise their children alone, feeling rejected, unwanted, unclean. Ever experienced the pain of being alone? Every widow and widower knows that pain. Your loved one dies and people gather around, particularly the week of the funeral, and they come to the funeral and it's a a celebration of a life well lived and people bring their well wishes and they write you notes and cards and for for many weeks people will call and and visit with you and try to take you out to lunch or to, to dinner just to share their love for you and how much they want to be there for you. But then months pass and night after night after night you go home to a house that once was occupied by your spouse. Have you ever experienced the pain of being alone? What are we to do when we feel alone? To find out, open your Bibles, your pew Bibles, to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verse 40 to 45. It may be found on page 1064 of your red pew Bible. Mark, chapter 1, beginning with verse 40. But before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and preaching of his holy word. Please join me as he pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you inspired Mark to put pen to paper so that we might have your written word today. We pray, O oh Lord, that as we read your written word that you might speak to us, that we might hear from you, that our hearts might be transformed. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your son's precious name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Mark chapter one, beginning with verse 40. Listen to the word of the Lord. And the leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. 
And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. What are we to do when we feel alone? We should do what this leopard did. We should draw near to Jesus. Notice that the leper is supposed to say, unclean, unclean, as he approaches a crowd of people, but he never says, unclean, unclean. As a leper, he was supposed to stay on the outskirts of town, but he's so desperate to see Jesus, so desperate to be cleansed by the healing touch of Jesus, that he ignores all the rules and he goes right into town, not pronouncing his presence by saying, unclean, unclean. He draws near to Jesus. Yes, despite the risk of severe punishment, he draws near to Jesus cutting through the crowds without warning anyone of his presence. And then the leper kneels at Jesus' feet and says, if you will, you can make me clean. Notice that the leper doesn't doubt Jesus' ability to make him clean. He knows that Jesus has the power to make him clean, which is interesting because back in the first century, everyone knew that the only one who could really heal you from leprosy would be God. There was no There was no medicine for leprosy, and so they they trusted and believed that God would be able to heal them. And so he trusted that God, only God, had the power to heal him. And so as he looked to Jesus, he knew that Jesus was from God, this great miracle worker. And so desperate for Christ's healing touch, he draws near to Jesus, the only one who has the power to heal. The question he has is not if Jesus has the power to heal, but whether or not Jesus is willing to heal him. Well, the good news of our text, the good news of this text for us and for this leper is that Jesus not only has the power, but he is willing to heal this leper. He's willing to cleanse all of us if we will draw near to him in faith. Notice that the leper doesn't ask Jesus to heal him. This leper actually asks him to cleanse him. You see, in the society back then, this man's leprosy was a sign in the eyes of most of his sin. Everyone believed that lepers were being punished by God. That's why they had leprosy, because of their sin. The fact that the man has leprosy is a sign that he was a sinner, unclean. But aren't we all sinners? Unclean, needing Christ's cleansing touch. As Paul the Apostle explains in Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all fail to do what we ought to do. None of us are perfect. We, we, we fail to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We fail to love our neighbor as ourselves. We, we fail to live out the golden rule of treating others the way we would always like to be treated if we were them. Yes, we, we fail to do what we ought to do, and sometimes we willfully do the things that we shouldn't do. We willfully break the Ten Commandments. Anybody here ever covet before? Anybody? I'm the only one. I know that's not true. We're Americans. We all covet. We, our economy's built on coveting, right? You, you see an advertiser and someone driving a cool car, and you're like, yeah, I want to look like that guy. I want to look like Matthew McConaughey and drive a Lincoln. <laughs> I drive a Camry. It, uh, it's not the same. 
Yes, we see what other people have and we want that. You know, that our advertisers build on that self, sinful desire to covet, to have what others have. Anybody ever hear, uh, particularly when you're a child, ever say a, a little white lie or bend the truth in order to get out of trouble? Anybody here? I know I'm not the only one who's done that. Uh, if you didn't raise your hand, just as a little reminder of the propensity of, of people to sin, I've got a little video here I want to share with you this morning. John, what are you eating? Okay. You didn't eat anything. Yeah. Okay. John, look at mommy. Anything. Are you telling me the truth? Yeah. You didn't have any snacks? Nope. Let me see. You didn't have any snacks. John, you have sprinkles on your face. I did not eat the sprinkles. <laughs> I love that video. Highlighting the fact that we begin sinning at a very young age, right? We'll say whatever it need to say in order to get out of trouble. We have this self, selfish, sinful nature that, that makes itself known at a very early age. And the truth is, our sin, it darkens our souls. It makes us dirty. And we need to be cleansed. We need Jesus to cleanse us from our sins. As the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, for we read, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's one and only son, Jesus was without sin fully God and fully man. He lived in perfect obedience to our heavenly father so that when he died on the cross, he was the perfect sacrifice for our sins. As Jesus says in the gospel of John, it is finished. Our sins have been atoned for. The price has been paid and we cannot out God's grace. Yes, the righteousness of Christ proves to be greater than our sin. Through faith in Christ, we can receive this great gift of Christ's righteousness if we'll simply believe in him. Yes, Christ's righteousness is greater than our sin. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. What would have shocked everyone who witnessed this scene in the first century was that Jesus actually touches the man with leprosy. He could have simply said, be clean. I mean, when he wanted to to calm a storm, he said, be still, right? When he wanted to cast out the demon, he said, be quiet and cast him out with just the words of his mouth. But Jesus actually touches the leper. 
And in the first century, everyone believed that leprosy was so highly contagious that if you actually came in contact with a leper, if you touched a leper, then you would become unclean. But Jesus isn't worried about becoming unclean, is he? No, Jesus is focused on cleansing those around him. Jesus is focused on making all of us clean because Jesus knows that his holiness is greater than the sinfulness of humanity. Jesus knows that the shalom, the wholeness, the peace that he's come to bring is greater than man's brokenness. Jesus knows that his righteous power is more powerful than this man's disease. Yes, we can see from this story that if we will come to Jesus with our hurts, with our pains, with our sin, with our disappointments, he will reach out to us, touch us, cleanse us, and make us whole again. In James chapter four, verse eight, James, the brother of Jesus, says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The leper in our story does everything that he can to to draw near to Jesus. He risks severe punishment by coming down into the town and getting close to Jesus, so close that Jesus can just stretch out his hand and touch him. He made this effort because he was desperate to be cleansed, desperate to be healed. And we know that Jesus has the power to cleanse, the power to heal. What lengths are we willing to go to to be touched by Jesus? to be cleansed by Jesus, to heal, to feel his comforting, healing touch. I remember the first time that I was, I read James 4, verse 8. I was going through a very difficult time as a young adult in my life. My my life did not seem to be going according to my plans. I was discouraged, and frankly, I was very lonely at the time. A friend of mine knew that I was going through this hard time, and so he sent me an email with James chapter 4, verse 8. Let's show that again. James chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Let's show that up again there, Gary. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Please say that with me. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. The leper in our text this morning experiences the cleansing touch of Jesus because he's willing to draw near to Jesus. How willing Are we to draw near to Jesus today? How do we draw near to Jesus today? Notice the physical posture that this leper has when he approaches Jesus. He's on his knees, humbly kneeling at Jesus' feet. The only appropriate uh, uh, position for us to be in as we draw near to Jesus is on our knees, praying, not my will but yours be done, Lord Jesus. As I read the email from my friend who said, James 4, verse 8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I realized that at that time in my life, I really wasn't drawing near to God. I was so busy with work at the time, working through many weekends, that I wasn't going to church. I hadn't been to church in in over a month. My quiet time at the time consisted of reading just a few short verses over a bowl of cereal and a quick prayer on my way to work. I wasn't in any kind of fellowship. I wasn't in any kind of Christ-centered Bible study. I, I really wasn't connected to the body of Christ at all. I was pursuing my own plan for my life and not God's plan, and I was miserable. I read these words, and they hit me right in the face that I needed to draw near to God so that he would draw near to me. I was desperate, desperate for the healing, cleansing touch of Jesus. 
In the very first verse of the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, Jesus begins the Sermon on the Mount saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not until we humble ourselves and become poor in spirit and realize our desperate need for God's touch that ultimately we will be healed. In fact, I have found that the greatest transformation, the greatest sanctification in my life always happens through the greatest trials. When we feel like we're alone, when we feel like we're up against the wall and no one could possibly know the the pain we're going through or, or the trials we're facing, we need to humble ourselves like this leper did and we need to draw near to Jesus, seeking the cleansing, healing touch that only Jesus can bring. Of course, this leper would have never been healed if he had kept his distance from Jesus. This leper would have never been healed if he had continued to live in isolation. This leper would have never been healed if he'd spent his life wallowing in his own shame and pain, would he? No, he would have never been healed if he hadn't come to Jesus. But this leper, he got up. He went into the city. He drew near to Jesus. He humbly knelt before Jesus and said, if you will, you can cleanse me. Yes, this leper drew near to Jesus so that he might experience the healing touch of Jesus. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Of course, you may be hearing this message today and think, well, my life's pretty, going pretty well. I feel like I am near to God. I, I've got a good quality, quiet time every morning. I'm, I'm in worship today. I've been going to worship for quite some time. You know, I, I'm in some Christ-centered fellowship, maybe some type of Bible study. Uh, you know, I, I'm serving others. I feel like I am very close to God. And if you are, hallelujah, I'm with you. But how do you think this leper heard about Jesus? Lepers had to live in the outskirts of the community. How do you think it's possible for this leper living in the outskirts of the community to ever hear about Jesus? Somebody went and told him. When was the last time we went and told someone the good news about the cleansing touch of Jesus that we have all experienced? Last Sunday, Orlando told a powerful story about how God healed him of epilepsy when he was just a a little boy. And and how once you have been healed by Jesus, you can't help but tell others the good news of his healing touch. Once you've been cleansed by Jesus, you can't help but tell others the good news of of God's great love for us, that that God loves us because he loves us. There's nothing we can do to to make God love us anymore, that, that God doesn't love us because we've been good. He loves us in spite of our sin. He offers a healing touch if we will simply draw near to him. Yes, once you know this good news, once you've experienced the healing touch of Jesus, you can't help but share that good news with others. That's why despite Jesus' stern, strict orders not to tell others, the leper goes out and he tells everyone how Jesus has healed him. He was so grateful and excited that he, he couldn't help himself. When was the last time you told someone the good news of God's cleansing touch that we find in Jesus? Jesus, who came to this earth to cleanse us all. It's interesting. Jesus commands this leper to tell no one, and he tells everyone. In the Great Commission, Jesus tells us to tell everyone, but we often tell no one. Why is that? Why is it that we're reticent to share our faith, to share the good news of how Jesus can cleanse us from the inside out? Most of us have experienced the cleansing touch of Jesus because someone 
helped point us to Jesus. Someone invited us to draw near to Jesus. Shouldn't we invite others to join us in drawing near to Jesus here every Sunday as a part of the Bible studies that we're in and the part of the fellowship that we are, are able to have or, or as a part of the service projects that we do as a church together? Shouldn't we invite others to join us as we seek to draw near to Jesus together? The next time you feel lonely, the next time you feel like no one really understands what you're going through, draw near to Jesus. And as we draw near to Jesus, as we meditate on his word, as we pray, as we worship, as we, as we get into Christ-centered fellowship and we serve others, then we will experience Christ's cleansing presence. And as we experience Christ's cleansing presence, may we pray that God would guide us to see whom it is he's inviting us to join us as we draw near to Jesus. Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you for the example of this leper who despite the rules and the regulations did everything he could to draw near to you. God, help us to do all that we can to to draw near to you, to humble ourselves before you, to, to, to confess that we need your cleansing touch and to seek that cleansing touch. And help us, Lord, to see who in our lives needs your cleansing, healing touch today. Help us to be bold in the proclamation. Help us to be bold in the witness as this leper was bold in his witness of the cleansing touch of Jesus. We pray this in the strong and precious name of your son who is the Christ and all God's people said, amen.